Well, there are lots of different apps on your phone that you could use to find direction. Lots of different ones. Whether, you know, you, whether there's an iPhone or Android. Lots of different apps that you can use for direction. And not just direction, apps that can show you kind of where you're at, where you need to go. And there's one app in particular you probably have heard of before, and it's Life360. Now, our family uses Life360 like I think we're addicted to it, and I'll explain here in just a moment. But Life360 is basically an app where everyone in your, in your family, uh, and you sign them up, you can actually see who, it, who, who is where. Like, uh, say, I'm, I'm maybe here in Emerson, so Zon may be at uh, Kroger, or, you know, the kids could be at a friend's house or at home or whatever. And it also gives you indications, like if you have certain areas that you want to be notified when they get close to home or they, or they leave home or whatever. So we have a couple of areas, like in, kind of in downtown Cartersville, this is one spot when, when someone goes to that area, we get a notification. Oh, someone's in downtown Cartersville. Guess what? If someone's in downtown Cartersville, we're going to call them or text them and say, hey, go pick up something, right? Or if, if when someone uh, is home or they leave home. We get those notifications. And so Life360 is a really, really cool app that helps you with that. Now, it informs you of the location of the family members, but it's not always 100% accurate. Now, I'm going to show you an image here on the screen. And so this uh, image here is actually, you'll see um, a screenshot taken from our trip um, to Jacksonville, Florida. So our family went to Jacksonville, Florida over spring break, and um, we went to go visit Lawson. And in Jacksonville, Florida, we wanted to go to the other side of the bay. Well, this is big bridge you've got to cross. Susanna and I decided, hey, we're going to drive. Kids, why don't y'all go ahead and walk across the bridge? This is walk path. Walk across the bridge to the other side, and uh, we'll, we're going to do some things over there. Well, as you can tell from this picture, uh, you have the bridge, and underneath the bridge is water. Now, do you see Lincoln, our, our youngest child? We were thinking, okay, we wanted to make sure they were going across the bridge. And we're thinking, okay, the other siblings have literally thrown him off the bridge and into the water. And that's where he's at. So it's not always 100% accurate. In fact, we asked, hey, is Lincoln with you, right? And they're like, no, we just threw his phone over, you know, the bridge, which is not true. But it's not always 100% uh, accurate on that. But it, whatever the case may be, it helps you to kind of see where you're going and where you're at. Now, it also, Life360 is also something that can be a little bit annoying. So, like, we've got certain children in our house like our youngest daughter, Marion, she is a stalker, a big-time stalker. Like just yesterday, we, Suzanne and I, we went on a date, and after we helped with Logan and his senior prom, we went on a date, and, and we ended up at Walmart. <clears throat> Why does every date end up at Walmart? I don't understand. Anyway, we ended up at Walmart, and so we're sitting there in the parking lot, and I literally turned the car off, and we get a text. Hey, don't forget the, these items from Marion. She knew we were at Walmart, you know? And so we didn't tell her we were going to go to Walmart. We just said, we'll pick up some of these items. But she was stalking us. Or let's say our oldest daughter, Madison, she's 24 years old. She's married, an adult. Every once in a while, she'll send us a text and, and she'll say something like, um, now that you're, you know, finished walking, let me have a conversation with you or, or can we talk while you walk, 
right? They know, she knows that we're walking because we're in her neighborhood, right? And so she could see that. Or she'll uh, send us a text saying, uh, you are taking the kids to Chick-fil-A way too much. You never took me to Chick-fil-A that many times when I lived with you. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? But those, the, the Life360, yeah, it's, it's, a, um, it's a great app. But just like that Life360 app, God knows where we are, where we need to go, and how to get there. It's an amazing how many times we'll look at our phones for a certain app but, uh, for direction, but, but not as many times do we open up God's word or pray or to seek direction from the Lord as to where we're going and where we are and, and where he wants to take us in this life. And so today's message is just a single standalone message, a single standalone sermon that is simply called divine direction. Simply called Divine Direction. So this isn't a series. This is a one and done thing. But I felt like as I was praying this week, Lord, what do you want me to share with people? Well, I just want to make sure people know where to go. They want to get their pathway in life from me. So this is what this is called, Divine Direction. And it's all about trying to find out where we are and where God wants to take us. You know, it's a small choice. What I've learned in, in sort of this life, and me, you may have as well, it's a small choices that no one sees that result in the big impact everyone wants. Let me say that again. It's a small choices no one sees that result in the big impact everyone wants. Most of us struggle to connect the small choices we're constantly making with the big differences we want to see in our lives. And in other words, what I'm trying to say is this. Life is not all about just the big choices. It's actually about a bunch of smaller choices on a journey. And those small choices add up to one bigger choice in your life or in a certain season. And so as we are walking in this life, understand this, those small choices are huge. And today I want to ask this question regarding this message today. Here's a simple question I want us to answer, and that is this, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? You may have, you may have experienced that in your life. You may have been at a job, at a certain job, and you may be like, okay, hmm, should I stay or should I go? You may have been in a, in a relationship. Should I stay or should I go? There's lots of different things that you can put into that. And so, um, so just like going on a trip, these decisions, should I stay or should I go? For instance, should I take my chances with this job or this relationship or is it time for me to move on? Does it look like to start this, this, this business? Should I start this? You know, is this, is this a good time? Should I stay the course? And so lots of questions that we could, um, uh, lots of different scenarios that we could fill that question with. So there are plenty of times when you and I, we should walk away from a certain situation. And we're going to see some of that. There are some times we should walk away from a certain situation, but there are definitely times we should stay the course. So as we go into this, I'm going to share with you a couple of different passages. 
The first passage is from Ruth. So if you have a copy of God's word, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter one. Now Ruth is in the Old Testament. And so um, if you have a copy of God's word or digital copy, uh, if you don't have that, we do have it on uh, the screen. But Ruth is um, after uh, Judges. So it's there in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And so as you turn your, um, to that scripture in Ruth chapter one, uh, just a little bit of a background with, um, with Ruth. So when we meet Ruth, um, she is a, um, she's a daughter, our, our, our daughter-in-law, of a woman named Naomi. Naomi had two daughter-in-laws, uh, Orpah and Ruth. Their story begins with tragedy. First, Naomi's husband died during a famine. But she had two sons who married Moabite women. So they were, they were in Moab. Okay? They, were, they were originally from Bethlehem. Naomi was. And then they, because of the famine, they uh, moved, to, um, moved to Moab. And so the, the, the sons married Moabite women. So about 10 years later, after the marriage, tragedy struck again as both of Naomi's sons died. So you have poor Naomi... She has a husband, two sons, the husband dies, the son's married, okay, the, the, and these are Jewish people. They marry outside of the nation of Israel, which w- wasn't really allowed, but they did, to Moabite women, and then the sons died. So then you have just Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. This is all three women without husbands. At the time, a woman without children was pretty much without hope. Or opportunity. Society wasn't set up for women to, to work. So a woman, a woman was dependent on her husband for income and then her children should her husband die. Naomi's, Naomi's only option was to become a slave. So they decided, Naomi decided, you know what? I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to the land of Judah. I'm going to leave this Moabite country Moab country, and we're going to walk there. So Naomi has her two daughter-in-laws, and they walk towards Bethlehem. So out on their journey from the country of Moab, Naomi stopped and gave Orpah and Ruth an option. You can either go back to your family, land of Moab, to start a new family, or you can stay the course and go with me in the land of Israel. Orpah took the easy option of just going back to Moab. You can't blame her. People speak that language. She speaks that language. Maybe she could find another husband. So she decides to go go back to Moab. But Ruth saw things differently. Even though it would have been much easier for her to go back, she chose instead to stay, to stick by her mother-in-law despite the uncertainty of the future. But Naomi tried to talk her out of it. And we see this conversation in Ruth 1, 15 through 17. It says this, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't, or, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And catch this, your God, capital G, will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. What 
An amazing, powerful statement. By the way, our ladies' Bible study, obviously I don't attend those, but my wife leads that. They're about to study Ruth on, uh, on Saturdays. If you want to join them, it's on Saturdays at 10 o'clock. You can go into much more details on this. But this, this statement by Ruth is so amazing. It's so powerful. So what happens is after settling in Bethlehem, so they go to Bethlehem, Ruth begins to pick leftover grain from a field owned by a single rich businessman named Boaz. So just imagine Boaz, you know, probably, you know, a, a, a strong gentleman because he's, he's, he's in the fields. And uh, so Boaz, he had compassion on Ruth, which led to an interest in her. They eventually got married and had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David, who would eventually be Israel's greatest king. But why would Boaz show compassion and interest on Ruth? It's because he heard her story. He heard her story. In fact, we, we see a little bit of this in, in just turn over one chapter over, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you, Ruth, have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under which, uh, whose wings you have come to take refuge. Man, what a great, what a great pickup line, <laughs> right? What a great pickup line. So what can we glean from Ruth's story of the question, should I stay? Should I stay or should I go? Number one, we need to keep it positive. We need to keep it positive. Did you see where Ruth told Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Ruth only wanted words of life. She she blocked words that worked against her will to stay. Look, Naomi, I, I'm supposed to follow you. Don't fill my mind and my heart with some negative talk. Let's, we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this calling. We're going to keep it positive. We want words of life in this situation. Words are very powerful. When you decide in your heart to stay where you are, then you want to speak words of life into the situation. Keep it positive. You can't stay with your spouse if you're always griping about them. You can't stay at your job if you're complaining about the drive or the people or the person in the cubicle next to you or whatever. You can't stay at your house if you're always frustrated with the things that need to be repairing. Just keep positive, okay? Have words of life in that. So we see that in, in, in Ruth, how she handled that. She was positive. Another thing we see from Ruth is she kept it spiritual. We need to keep it spiritual. Ruth made this a spiritual decision. We saw that in the passage. Ruth didn't, in, um, didn't include the practical aspects of her decision. Yeah, it's, it's a country I don't know. I don't know the language. Uh, none of my family's there. Uh, and what, what kind of job am I going to I'm, I'm a single I'm a single woman. What am I going to do? Lots of questions. So she didn't, she didn't just depend on practical reasonings. 
Just like that, we don't need to depend upon practical reasonings on whether you should stay the course because in most cases, you're not going to find the practical. You need to include the spiritual reasoning to whether, on whether to stay. This will give you staying power. Sure, it might be tough, but I can tell you this. If God has called you to it, then he will see you through it. If God has called you to it, he will see you to it, through it. And so whatever you decide to do, whether relocate your family, uh, start a business, or, or go to a different job, or whatever, okay, or, or stay the course, whatever, you, whatever God's calling you to do, there is a spiritual component that a lot of times we overlook, and we've got to make sure that we keep that spiritual component intact. Like, do you believe that God has called you to marry your spouse? I believe. If God has called you to it, then he will see you through it. And I know marriages can be rocky. But he, if he's called you to it, he's going to see you through it. Do you believe God has called you to to a certain company, to a certain career, the path, or to start a business, whatever? If God has called you to it, he will see you through it. God has called us to put a building on our property. He literally gave it to us. Has there been frustrations? Yes. Has there been times I'll be like pouring gasoline on it and just light it up and say, forget about it, right? No. That's not, I mean, we need to make sure that we understand. If God has called us to it, he is going to see us through it. I know there are dark times in that. And all of us have different situations. Again, this is all about this divine direction. God, what should I do? Where should I go? Should I stay or should I go? When it's God's plan, it would be powered by, by God's hand. When it's God's plan, it would be powered by God's, God's hand. And let me, let, me, let me sort of sidestep here just a little bit. I, I want to make you understand this. God is not just all about the big, the big moments. He's not about the big things. He's also about the small things in your life. It's just like being a parent. It's just like being a parent. As a parent, we, we support our kids in the big things, but we also should be supporting our kids in the small things. And God is the same way. He likes to take care of the big things, and he likes for us to include him in the small things. Again, I started this message off by saying these decisions are based upon small, little things in your life, one step at a time. And so I actually realized that this past week, actually the last couple of days, how God is in the small things. Some of y'all know that um, our son Logan, he, had a, um, he has a song that, um, that just got released nationally on Friday. And, and some of y'all were at the, uh, at the song release party in downtown Cartersville. We're super excited about it. Had a great uh, crowd for the space we had. And uh, Logan was ready to kind of uh, share some more songs, some more originals. And we're celebrating. We had, you know, cupcakes and coffee and drinks and all this kind of stuff, soft drinks, right? Um, and so we were uh, just super excited, but a couple of hours before it started, the electricity went out. And not just there in that building, like half of Bartow County, right? Like it just went out. Oh, it'll come back on. We're, we're a couple hours 
away, and it, it was getting closer and closer and closer. And about 15 minutes or 10 minutes before 7 o'clock when this thing's supposed to start, I started, all right, Lord. So I started to walk in the room. It, we had people already showing up, right? The good thing is that this, this particular room, this building had a ton of windows, had great lighting. And I was like, Lord, can we do this without power, electricity? Yeah, we can. We got natural light. Logan's just him and his guitar. Yeah, we have a sound system, but he doesn't need that. We got the food here. Can we do this? But would it be more effective if we could have power and air conditioning and all kinds of stuff? Yeah, it would be more effective. So, Lord, I know you're in the big things, but could you also be in the small things? Could you just turn the power on? Five minutes later, power came on. So if your power came on, you could thank my prayer. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, you know, some, some guy at the right time flipped the switch, but, could, you know, could, could we give honor and glory to to that, yeah. I'm sure I wasn't the only one praying. There were a lot of businesses downtown going, uh, I need to open. A lot of restaurants going, Lord, please turn on the power, whatever. But just know this, God is in the small things as well. We found that, we, we experienced this yesterday as well. There's our son, same son, Logan. He had a senior prom. And I told him I was gonna talk about this. And so he, um, he forgot his suit at the dry cleaners. On Saturday morning. Yeah. We have, pe- we have people in our church actually who, who you know, who hemmed his pants and, and adjusted his suit. Yeah. And he left it at the dry cleaners and he did not pick it up. And here was Saturday afternoon around one o'clock and he realized, oh, I need to pick up my suit for the dry cleaners. And the dry cleaners were closed because they closed at 12 noon. He calls me. He says, Dad, here's the situation. I said, oh, yeah, that's the situation. So what pair of jeans are you going to wear to prom, bro? And I was like, and he actually woke me up from a nap to tell me that. So I put the phone down. I was like, I'm just going to go back to sleep. I'll let him take care of this. And I don't know, just like I couldn't sleep. I was like, okay, Lord. I, I guess I felt like the Lord was talking to me. And he reminded me, I'm in the small things. I'm in the small things. So I made a couple of phone calls. Didn't get anywhere with that. You know, I tried my own reasoning. It just, it just didn't work. So I'm sitting there, at, there in, in, my, in our bedroom, and I was like, okay, Lord, you're in the small things. You answered a prayer yesterday. So somehow, could you just make this work? Can he still go to prom? Yeah, he can go to prom. But it's a senior prom, and he's got, he bought a brand new suit, you know, for it and, and everything. Could, could you just, yeah, just make this happen? I know you're in the small things. I'm not lying. 60 seconds later, I get a text from a guy named Chris, the owner of the dry cleaners. And he says, hey, Pastor Bennett, I heard your situation, and I'm going to try to see if I can help you. He had another worker go up there to the dry cleaners. Logan met her up there. We paid her a little bit of a tip, right? Thank you so much, you know? And we got the suit and he wore it for senior prom. Now, 
the bad thing about this is Logan is never going to learn his lesson because God keeps, you know, stepping in and helping him out. But all that to say this, can I tell you something? And it, I'm not going to say it works, you know, for every time and, or anything, but just know this. The big God of the universe who knows everything about you, he's in the big things in your life. Absolutely. The kids being born, the marriages, you know, all of the things in your life that are pillars you can look back on. He's in those things, but guess what? He is in the small things. Could you just include him in those small things? Just try that this week. Include him in the small things because he loves to prove that he is God. Trust him with those small things. So we were asking the question in the first part of this sermon, should I stay? And then we are now into the question, should I go? There will be decisions whether to stay or to go or or choices in your life to stay or to go. I remember traveling as a family on one of our trips. We like to take every every so often, every couple of summers, like to take a big trip. We're actually due for one. And we were traveling across America. I don't know where we're at. And, um, And we decided, okay, it's late. Let's stay at a motel. We were trying to stay as cheap as possible. And we were traveling with eight people, okay? Two adults and six kids. And so we, we get in this motel, and we walk into the room, and it literally smells like fish. Like awful, like hot fish. Like not cooked fish, like just slimy fish. And I was like, you know, I, I was okay with it. I mean, I like fish, you know? And so, but my wife was having none of that. So we're like, no, we're not staying here. And so we leave uh, that motel, we go down the street, and we find another place, and it was great and stuff. But, but in that little, case, in that little uh, scenario, that case study, on a journey, we were on a journey Okay? In the middle of the journey, there was an opportunity to, to stay somewhere, and we had an opportunity. Okay, should we stay or should we go? Just like that motel, in the journey of life, you're going to meet people. You're going to be in certain circumstances to where you're going to be like, okay, should I stay or should I go? In other words, is this person in my life a good influence on me? Or should I go because this person is a bad influence on me? Is this job that God, that I feel like maybe God has put in my lap or, or, or maybe he hasn't? I don't know. And, and maybe you're in a particular job and, and, you're, and you're questioning, all right, should I stay or should I go? This, this job is really, really taking a lot of my time away from my family. Should I, should I stay with that? I don't think so. I think God's got something else out for me like that. And so just like that motel, we're on our journey. We're going to run across some things in our life where we are going to have to make that decision of whether we stay or whether we should go. And so in this, in this passage, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. So we are going to be in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. So we've got the Old Testament and we've got the New Testament. Okay? And I wanted to kind of use two examples, one from the old, one from the new, because it represents a journey that we're on. Just for today, this divine direction, we're on a, a journey from Old Testament to New Testament. And so here we have in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, Jesus' calling of his first disciples. So let's read together. One day as Jesus was standing 
by the Lake Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. That's your future disciples. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, whose name is Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep waters and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, um, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the, uh, their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats to, uh, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. These four disciples decided not to stay, but to go. And sometimes go means you're leaving a situation because maybe you're, you're in a bad situation. But sometimes go means, hey, God is pulling me into something that I need to do. Maybe God's pulling something in your life, tugging on your heart to do something. And he's saying, just, just do it. Walk down that path and I will be with you. And that's what he's telling the disciples in this, in this situation. And so we don't know what Jesus said in that sermon from the boat. But we do know that it inspired Peter, James, and John, and Andrew to be called the first disciples. So what do we learn from this? What can we pick up from this that can help us to understand if we should go? Well, what I got is, number one, we got to go to deeper water. Jesus said that. Go out to deeper water. He wanted to show them that something that required deeper water, not that shallow stuff. If you feel like God is telling you to go to do something, has called you to something, you need to first go to deeper water. If you feel like God's calling you to missions or to some sort of ministry, you need to dive deeper into prayer and in his word. If you feel like God's telling you to take your marriage to another place rather than staying in its current state, you need to dive deeper into conversations, books, counseling, other healthy marriages. Stop living in the shallow life. Stop living in the shallow waters, go out to deeper waters. The only way to take your life to greater destinations is to go deeper in relationships, education, finances, healthy living, spiritual discipleship, you name it. You need to go to deeper water. In fact, the people that you know who are, who are at the destinations you want to be, guess what? They've gone to deeper water. They've gone to deeper water. When I go work out in the gym, and then it doesn't really look like I work out at the gym. I, I go, I walk, I lift a few weights, you know, just to make me feel good about myself. But there are people at the gym that are like, man, that dude, 
I mean, he knows what he's doing. I mean, I'm like, okay, maybe I could like look like that, right? Well, he's gone to deeper water. He's done his research. He, he, he spent time in the gym. He's, he's gotten, uh, I'm sure I haven't asked him, but he's, he's gotten uh, training from other guys. He's been shown what to do. You know, I only work this one muscle uh, for eight hours today, and then next week will be this muscle uh, for eight hours. Whatever. I don't know what the workouts are. I'm afraid to ask him. But people like that, you know, people, and, and, and that's just one example of, of, you know, in a gym. But people in your life who, who you kind of inspire to be, it's like, man, what an incredible marriage they have. What an incredible walk with Jesus that they have. Or whatever that is. You probably know people in your life. I aspire to be that way. Guess what? They took it to deeper waters. And, and as believers, we could do that spiritually. We could take that to deeper waters. As you grow your family, whenever we, we decided we felt like God was calling us to adopt. No, that was, not, that was not just an easy decision. We had to go to deeper waters. Lord, is this... Are you serious? Are you for real right now? Do you want us, we, we have three awesome kids. You, you want us to adopt more kids? You want us to double our family? <laughs> really? We had to go to deeper water. We read books. We got counseling. We spent time in prayer. Got to get to deeper water. And the second thing that we see in this passage, the calling of the disciples is trust Jesus Trust Jesus. He asked them to throw their fishing nets for a catch. Simon began, Simon Peter began making excuses as to why he should not throw out the nets. We just read that. They were valid excuses. They were proper reasonings. They had been fishing all night. They were tired. They just got through cleaning their nets. But because you say so, Lord, but because you say so, I will go to deeper water and let down the nets. Not because the other fishermen say so, not because a crowd tells me to, but because you tell me to. Simon Peter trusted the instructions of Jesus to let down his nets, even though he had not called anything all night. Can I tell you something? You can't go to deeper water without trusting in Jesus. You can't go to deeper water without trusting in Jesus. If you have not placed, been placed in a situation where you need to trust God, then maybe you're not at deeper water. You got to be. Those go hand in hand. You may find yourself asking or saying, we can't stay where we're at. We need to go you could be saying that you're, about your health, about your finances, your marriage, your job, your walk with the Lord. It's time to look somewhere else. But before we do that, you've got to go to deeper water. And you've got to trust in Jesus. Is he calling you to walk down the road, to travel the road? Is there a divine direction that God is saying, I want you to go over here. I want you to do this with your life. I want you to do this certain thing with your kids, with your spouse, with your, your personal time with me, with the Lord. If he's saying that to you, 
I want you to relocate. I want you to start a business. I've been meeting lots of people in the community who are entrepreneurs, who are starting businesses. You know, fresh ones, or they've recently started businesses. You know, I, I, I think as we do those things, we, we go to deeper water and we trust in God. Starting Lake Point Church. Yeah, we trust in God. So, as I conclude, how do you know when to stay or when to go? That's a tough question. I, as I was prepare, uh, preparing the sermon, I had to ask myself that question, okay? In, in, in my life, in my relationships, in what God wants to do in, with me, you know, how do I know when to stay where I'm at, like in, in my state of being, or to go? How do I know this? Here's what I've learned. You will often know when it's time to stay or go when it's not your idea. When it's not your idea. Circumstances will happen in God's providence and grand plan for your life. God will drop hints through other people as they share things like, have you ever thought about doing this? Or you're really good at such and such a thing. You could do that for a living. But what, a, what about when God speaks to you? How do you know when it's God speaking to you and not your own just sort of random thoughts. If you're walking close to God and have an active working and talking relationship with Jesus, then it's the voice of God. But can I tell you something? Please don't dare, don't dare make the mistake of making a major decision without walking with the Lord. Don't make those major decisions in your life without Walking with the Lord. We've got to walk with the Lord every day of our life. And so, this divine direction that God is putting in front of us, and every, everybody has a different direction. Everybody has a different journey. But what is he calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. God can call you to do great things. It could be simple as, hey, I'm calling you to connect more with people, to grow in your faith. We've got small groups to do that. We've got opportunities for you to connect with others and to connect with God, and you can, you can have that opportunity to do that. And that's just one example. There's lots of different examples. But just know this. Those, the, those divine direction moments, they come, they come quite often. You just got to pay attention to know when God is speaking and to know this. Answer the question, should I stay or should I go? Is this person good for me? If not, I need to go. Or is God calling me into something great, something bigger, something bigger or something just different in your life? Then Go. Sometimes God's like, hey, where you're at, it's exactly where you need to be. And you just need to grow where you're planted. So it just felt like that, that message of direction just felt like um, God was just telling me, hey, tell the people that I'm with them. And I'm not just in the big things. I'm in the small things. 
And that divine direction is just a bunch of little steps to every step of your life. Allow the Lord to be with you. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes if we could, please. As we close this message out, um, I just, I want you to understand that God, God knows where you're at. He's got Life 360. (laughs) He knows where you're at. He knows where you need to go and he knows how you need to get there. So why would we trust anyone else? So right now where you're at, I just, I want you to just tell this to the Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I know I haven't always trusted you. I know know I've stepped in in my own strength and decided to do something on my own. And I'm sorry for that. But I trust you. And then ask the Lord this, just show me the way to go. Speak to me. Speak to me. Give me that divine direction of where you want me to go, what you want me to do, the person you long for me to be. Help me to be that person. And sometimes that takes making that decision to follow Christ the first time. And that just takes you to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for <laughs> trying to walk this road in my own, my own GPS because I've really messed that up. I'm ready to make you my navigator in this life. If you're ready for Jesus to be that navigator, he's got to come live inside you, but you've got to invite him. It's simple. You could just simply say, Father God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me my sins. Jesus, come live inside my life. I want to trust in you. Be my navigator in this life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, next week, I, um, we are starting a new series called 40 Day Journey. And um, I'm really excited about it because here's why. It's all about what happened to Jesus after the resurrection. I was going to start it this week, but I was like, ah, I think I need a buffer message between Easter and this sermon series. Plus, it gives us a couple of weeks to, pro- to promote it. So this 40 Day Journey is all about what, what happened to Jesus, what he did after the resurrection, between the resurrection and the ascension when he ascended up into heaven. A lot of people just don't know what he did. And so we're going to look at some of those stories over the next few weeks as to what happens. And we're going to provide you with a devotional next week. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be something that we're going to do as a church. You could do that on your own devotional. And, but it's going to be something that we connect with the messages 40-day journey begins next week. Hey, I'm glad you took this journey today. Uh, I know it was a a lot of practical things with that, but I hope it was also some spiritual things uh, with this message. Um, Love you guys. Don't forget next week, breakfast Sunday, also baptism Sunday uh, uh, in the uh, PM, 8 o'clock at Terminus Wake Park. And uh, we love you guys. We'll see you all back next week. Thank you all.